Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Hosea chapter 8, and we'll just read verses 1 through to 4, or 1 through to 5, I think it'll be. Hosea chapter 8, verses 1 through to 5. Everybody got Hosea? Page 1121. 700, okay. I got a bigger Bible. All right. Set the trumpet to thy mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. Israel shall cry unto me, My God, we know thee. Israel have cast off the thing that is good, the enemy shall pursue him. And particularly this next uh, uh, phrase here. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols, that they may be cut off. Thy calf, referring, remember when we did Jeroboam, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against thee, how long shall it, uh, will it be ere they attain to innocency? So they have set up kings, but not by me. All right, now let's just, uh, just for a very brief moment here, go back and what we've done. So we've looked at uh, Saul and David and Solomon as the first three kings, each reigning for 40 years each over the United Kingdom. I'll just put the UK here. Uh, the biblical UK. And then we saw the division of the nation into two houses. And over here, I'll just abbreviate this, we have the house of Judah, and then we have the house of Israel. House of Judah consisting of two tribes, plus the priestly tribe, and the temple being at Jerusalem, the capital being the city of Jerusalem. House of Israel consisting of ten tribes, and the capital being at Samaria. Now we've gone through some of these kings, uh, we've looked at Rehoboam and saw what an uh, ignorant young man he was, king not able to handle the kingdom. And then we uh, skipped the next king, but we looked at Asa, who was a pretty good king, but at the end bombed out there and got mad at the prophet of God when the prophet rebuked him. And then last week we looked at a very godly king, one of the most godly kings, Jehoshaphat, except what was his weakness, did we see last week? His major weaknesses was false alliances, wrong alliances. He had a godly king, but just had that weakness there. Then on the house of Israel, and remember that the house of Judah, the scepter was given to Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. So the, the royal tribe of Judah, the priestly tribe of Levi and the royal tribe of Judah, they belong to this house. So these kings were never really ordained of God. God tolerated, and as we read in the prophet Hosea there, they have set up kings by me. So here we have an unchanging, uh, what do you say, dynasty, dynasty? I never know, being an American and that, they made me change so much and I forget where I am sometimes. Uh, so, dynasty, okay? An unchanging dynasty here, but we see they had uh, a continuing changing dynasty there. Assassinations, getting dead drunk, committing self-suicide. I mean, just a wild, wild, wicked bunch. Now, the kings we've looked at over here is Jeroboam, and he was just a bad guy, and we saw that 
every king in both the houses, house of, his, house of Judah and house of Israel, were judged by David. They were either as David, a man after God's own heart, or they were as Jeroboam. So Jeroboam set the fashion. And then in one night we, uh, we sort of um, dealt with five kings. So we have Nadab of Jeroboam, bad, bad guy, assassinated. And then uh, we have a, no, a, a new uh, dynasty here from uh, Baasha. And uh, he was a bad guy. He died a natural death. And then his son, uh, Eli, we dealt with him one night. He was assassinated. How many think it's pretty good history of British history and American history of presidents and kings? Um, you know, only thing we learn from history is we never learn from history. And then we have another guy we dealt with, Zimri. He was king for seven days. How'd you like to be king for seven days? And uh, I think he was the one that got it, uh, you know, drunk himself drunk and then uh, committed uh, uh, self-suicide. Now, we go down here and from Zimri we have Omri. We're going to skip him tonight and we're going to go to Ahab. That's the king we'll be looking at tonight. And you'll see that Ahab and Jehoshaphat, they're reigning pretty well in the same period of time. And we saw one of Jehoshaphat's bad alliances was to link up with Ahab. Now what we want to look at tonight in relation to Ahab, we'll move pretty quickly through an overview of his character and his bad, bad qualities. In fact, he hasn't got any except one time when the Lord threatened him with death, he humbled himself. Uh, that probably could be a good quality, but uh, the way he ended up. And then we want to end up on a very, very serious thing in this man's life, Ahab. So he's the king we're looking at. So on your sheet, just uh, take this, uh, just the initial information that we worked through on your sheet there. And just take that straight down off, your, uh, off the overhead here. So Ahab is the king we're looking at. And the scriptures that deal with him, in fact... Quite a number of chapters are given to this king. Some, uh, some kings have more chapters than others, and others are very few. But there's a lot given over to this king because the prophet, uh, as we've seen, all the kings are judged in relation to two particular things. Number one, the prophet of God, which is the word of God. And number two, their attitude to the house of the Lord. I hope you picked up those thoughts we've shared on previous occasions. So every king was judged on their attitude to two things, the, the prophet who represents the word of God and the house of the Lord. All of us as kings and priests, we are judged on our attitude to the word of the Lord and to the house of the Lord, which today is the church, the people of God. So those two things, and everybody's judged according to that, word of the Lord and uh, house of the Lord. So Ahab is his name. One of the interpretations of his name means a friend of his father, and he sure was. He was a bad, bad guy, as bad as Omri, as we're going to see tonight. So really bad. All these kings are just a wicked bunch. In fact, as far as I know of the, uh, the 19 kings and one queen of the house of Israel, not one of them were good. They all followed in the sins of Jeroboam. Some of these kings were affected by it. Not one good guy. They're just a bad, bad uh, changing dynasty there. So, all right, number three. Uh, he reigned over the house of Israel. Number four, he was as Jeroboam. Number five, 1 Kings 16. I've just put the K there on the kings here reference. 1 Kings 16, 29, he reigned for 22 years. Uh, number six, we have, uh, as far as I know, I haven't been able to discover what age he was when he took the throne. And then number seven, he was son of Omri. 
Okay, so they're the uh, simple introductory remarks right ha we have right down through to seven. All right, now, I put, I'm going to put on the overhead uh, about 12 bad points about this guy, and this guy is really bad, and then I want to spend the most important time on, on the latter part of his life, how this man, because, and this is going to be our main lesson, not because he didn't have a love for the truth, God sent him a lying spirit. So, uh, and it came through prophecy. It's going to be a pretty heavy chapter, so let's move reasonably quickly through this. And all I want you to do is take down the, uh, the fill-ins here. I'll just comment. So if you can listen, write, do everything at the same time, you'll be doing wonderful. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you. All six of you, everybody said amen. amen. Okay, all right. So here's the negative and the evil qualities about this man. Number one. He did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. That is really bad news. He did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And uh, where I've just put the K, that represents the kings. In fact, as we've said on previous occasions, the book of Kings mainly deals with the kings of Israel and from a kingly earthly point of view. The book of Chronicles deals more with a priestly point of view and from God's point of view. So though there's an overlap, you'll see Kings deals from a kingly point of view, earthly from, uh, from man's point of view, but Chronicles deals with God's point of view. It's a priestly point of view. One has to do with the prophet, one has to do with the house of the Lord. So most of this is in the book of Kings. So number one, he did evil in the sight of the Lord uh, above all that we before him. Number two, he walked in the sins of Jeroboam. He walked in the sins of Jeroboam. 1 Kings 16.31 And uh, we'll see the significance of this number three. He took Jezebel to wife and Jezebel, uh, she was the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, a wicked, wicked woman as we're going to see uh, on a subsequent point there, took, took his wife as Jezebel. And uh, that whole Jezebel spirit, uh, today the equivalent would be uh, militant, murderous feminism. Number four, we're told that he served Baal and worshipped him. So Baal, the greatest Canaanite god of the different gods, they had different idols and different names from the, and that, but Baal worship was one of the worst ones and worshipped him. And it's interesting that you'll find that the God we serve is the one we worship. When, uh, when the devil tempted Jesus on the, uh, and showed him all the kingdoms of this world, he said, all these kingdoms will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And the Lord, and the Lord said to him, it is written thou should uh, worship the Lord your God and he, him only shall you serve. So, you know, the, the God we worship is the one we serve. Who are we serving? What are we serving? That service and worship are always linked together in many, many scriptures. Number five, he built an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal. The house, uh, the New King James says the temple. So a temple of Baal. So he sets up his altars. Many of these kings did. They had all had their little altars and private little devotions that side of the ocean. So build an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal. Number six, we're told that he made a woman, uh, wooden image or a grove 
And as I said last week, uh, some of the translations in America, it's translated this way, uh, or it's interpreted this way, is that a wooden image like a totem pole. Those of you been to New Zealand, if you've been to America, you've been to an Indian reservation, or you've seen uh, John Wayne, some of those guys in the Indian things, you'll see the totem poles, many of them worship. So they, it's an idol thing, a wooden image, so totem poles of their different gods. 1 Kings 16, 33. And then it repeats this again in number 7. He did more to provoke God to anger than all the kings before him. So we think of wicked Omri and Zimri and Elah and Barasha and Nadab and Jeroboam, all wicked kings, but Ahab is the most wicked king of all these kings so far. So he did, he did more to provoke God to anger than all the kings that were before him. Now number eight is not attributed to him particularly, but it was in his day, and it's an interesting thing here. Uh, way back in Joshua chapter six, you needn't turn to it because uh, of what we want to cover here, and just in an overview of a character study. Uh, in Joshua chapter six, when Joshua was sent to conquer the city of Jericho, uh, and the children of Israel marched around seven times, and so forth, in Joshua 6, uh, 26, we're told, and Joshua adjured them, uh, or charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds the city of Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So what Joshua is actually doing there is saying, all right, anybody who rebuilds the city of Jericho, now not, not habitation or houses, I just checked up on a couple of commentaries to make sure this was clear, but to rebuild the city is a fortified city. So the fact that this man, you know, Joshua said, anybody who lays the foundation of the city and sets up its gates is a fortified city, a curse will be upon him, it'll, and it'll be evident in the death of his firstborn, the firstborn was always the heir, and then also the death of his youngest. And so what happens in the days of King Ahab? This guy by the name of Heel, he, he, in defiance of the word of the Lord, he builds Jericho, he lays its foundation and laid the gates. And in fact, some of the, a couple of the commentaries say that, um, that, once the death of the firstborn took place, then in between, in the interim, all other sons died. But once he set up the gates of the city as a fortified city, the youngest son died. You see, the point here is that this was spoken several hundred years before, but how many know that we may forget the word of God, but not, God never forgets his word. And so, you know, there's things happening today in our generations that we say, why, 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 why? Well, you know, this guy could say, well, why? It was in deliberate defiance of what the Lord had said through Joshua. And so he brought the curse on himself. So God watches over his word and God never forgets a, a verse of scripture. We may. And sometimes people reap things in generations later because we defy the word of God that was said years ago. So, oh, it doesn't matter now. That was, so the, the, as I've said previously, truth is eternal. And what is truth today is truth tomorrow. What is truth tomorrow was truth 2,000 years back. Truth is eternal. So God watches over his word to perform it. 
So you can see this man deliberate defiance of the word of God, rebuilding the city of Jericho. Now, it's not directly uh, related to Ahab personally, but it's right in those verses there for some reason. All right, number, number nine, there's several things I want you to pick up here. And this would be a whole session by itself on, on Jezebel. Ahab was ruled by his wife Jezebel, the queen, who was a murderous manipulator. I'm not sure if I've spelt that word right, the typewriter. Uh, manipulator, is it E-R or O-R? Oh, I had O-R. Uh, the typewriter had O-R and then I changed his mind. No, I had an O-R and then the typewriter changed mine. Anyway, you know. Okay, so ruled by Jezebel the queen, a murderous manipulator, a manipulator of her husband. And, uh, and this guy was such a sulky guy. Uh, while you're just writing that down, I'll read you a couple of scriptures. This guy, he, he was, he couldn't, when he couldn't get his own, own way, he'd go home and sulk. Uh, has anybody got any kids like that? Or was it only mine? I didn't give him a chance to sulk. Sulking can be bad, did you know that? If, you, you mums and dads, if you don't deal with that when they're young, and end up like this guy. Where's that scripture I'm after? Uh, with his sulks. Um, <laughs> yeah, 1 Kings 20 I'm reading. You might like to put this, uh, these two verses down because it's, it's repeated twice. 1 Kings 20 and verse 43. Yes, and I'm reading from King James. So after the word of the Lord came to him, uh, so the king of Israel went to his house sullen and displeased and came to Samaria. And then in uh, chapter 21 and verse 4, when he tried to get Naboth's vineyard and, and Naboth said, hey, listen, it's my inheritance that my fathers gave me. I'm not going to sell my, my inheritance just for a, a garden of, of herbs and cabbages. And so, because he couldn't get his own way, we're told, and Ahab came to his house sullen or heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed, turned away his face, and would eat no food. And his Jezebel, have you got kids like that? How many know what I'm talking about? So here's a big king. Got a throne, couldn't handle a kingdom, and because he couldn't get, you know, somebody else's inheritance, yet he's, you know, he's got the whole lot. He goes home and sulks, throws himself on the bed. I'm not going to eat. No, I'm not going to eat. I mean, a big kid. So, parents, if you've got little kidlets, break that habit while they're young. Because otherwise, if you don't, it comes out when people get married, and especially if you marry a Jezebel. Oh, Jezzy, she's, as I said the other Sunday, she's the only lady that painted her eyelids in the Bible and the dog's got her. Anyway, um, that must be for somebody, you know, those things. Uh, so Jezebel, his wife, came and said, why is your spirit so sad that you don't eat your food? Oh, he says, nobody doesn't give me his vineyard. She said, I'll fix it. And she did, she fixed it all right. So, uh, you know, Jezebel's spirit. So kills the Lord's prophets. Seeks to kill Elijah, and I mean, Elijah is a powerful man of God, but he runs from Jezebel. Says, Oh Lord, it's not enough, let me die. Suicide tendencies. I have had them many a time. After a Sunday, if you have a bad, well, no, I haven't lately, so. 
Many years ago when I was younger, I did. I, I resigned from the ministry every Sunday and sent my letter off to God and they sent it to the dead letter office and had on it, returned a sender. Uh, that was me. Anyway, but uh, the Lord helps you. But, you know, Elijah, great man of God, call fire down from heaven and slaughter 400 prophets of Baal one minute and then runs from one woman. Amazing. We men are funny things, aren't we, ladies? No? You're scared? Uh, and he kills Naboth. She kills Naboth through false witnesses. Got a letter, forged her own husband's uh, signature in the seal and then got these false witnesses to lie against Naboth and killed him. And then she controls and manipulates her, her husband. In fact, in verse 25, it says, um, what chapter I mean, 1 Kings 21, so much material in these guys. And verse 25, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred him up. Stirred him up. Boy. Okay, number 10. He feared Elijah, and Elijah's the prophet, and you'll find that this, this, this man, Ahab, he has about uh, four men of God. He has Elijah as a prophet of God, often coming to rebuke him and deal with him. And he's scared to death of Elijah, but when he gets home and talks to Mrs. Jesse, uh, she scares the life out. Don't you worry about Elijah, I'll fix him. So here's a man, fears his wife, Jezebel, more than he feared Elijah. And then another time the Lord sent a man of God and another prophet, and then another man of God to him. And Ahab is just scared to death because he's under the control of Jezebel, his wife. And uh, it's interesting, go over to the book of uh, Revelation because it would help you understand Revelation on this part. Je uh, Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And uh, put down for your notes here, it's not on the overhead, Revelation 2 verse 18 to 29. And this is to the church of Thyatira, and I'll just read the several verses that uh, particularly relate here. Revelation 2 and verses 18 to 29. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who has his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like undefined brass. I know your works, and uh, charity, and service, and faith, and patience, and your works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, Lord, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Those two things always went together, immorality and idolatry. And listen to verse 21. I gave her time to repent, of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of, her, of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I'll give to each one of you according to your works. If we had time just to develop the theme of the Jezebel spirit, you see, in every age there's a Jezebel spirit 
and it, it just changes names from the, the goddess Diana, Diana worship, Jezebel worship, and it ends up in Revelation chapter 17, the great harlot church that is drunken with the blood of saints, the ultimate Jezebel of Jezebels. So that spirit, you know, remember these things, people die, but uh, often the uh, what John Wesley say that God buries his workmen, but he carries on the work. And when, when God takes people away, good or bad, he may take the, the man away, but he doesn't take the ministry away. Okay, what do I mean by that? Just one quick one here. When uh, God took Elijah home to heaven, the spirit of Elijah came on Elisha. Is that right? Now, Elisha wasn't Elijah. But the spirit came there because the man had been taken, but the mantle and the ministry was still here. Then years later, God raised up John the Baptist and the mantle of Elijah fell on John the Baptist. And the Lord said, he will go before the Messiah in the spirit of Elijah. And then in this end of the age, I believe there is a measure of the spirit of Elijah on you know great men of God like... Um, Bill Gothard and some of these men who are turning the hearts of the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers, so that ministry, so God moves the men, but he doesn't destroy the ministry. The ministry doesn't die with the man. And so in the book of Revelation, you see ministry of Elijah just before the coming of the Lord. So those things happen. Now it's the same thing on the negative side. Jezebel, Antichrist, and so forth. All right, let's go to uh, number 11 and 12, and then our last few moments, I want to spend the mo- mo- most of our remaining time on here. Number 11, repeating again, he sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Twice in those two verses, he sold himself. He sold him. You know, it starts off, his life starts off, he did evil in the sight of the Lord more than anybody else above all that were before him, but now at the end of his life, he sold himself to do evil. And then number 12 is the main part we're going to look at. And the most frightening part in my mind, he had no love for the truth and he believed the lying delusion that led to his death. Okay, we're going to look at that. Now I want you to turn over to uh, 2 Thessalonians here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this would be uh, the major lesson. I mean, there's tons of lessons there for us. Uh, if you're a single young guy, the major lesson is don't marry a Jesse. That's a very strong lesson, wouldn't you say? All right, now for all of us, let's turn to Second Thessalonians chapter two. I'm sorry, I thought someone said something. Okay, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Let me read a few verses from you, you uh, for you here, and then we'll go back to uh, a major chapter in Kings we're going to look at. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as uh, if it was uh, supposed to come from us, as though, the, as though the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now go down to verse, um, verse uh, 9, we'll pick up here. 
uh, reading from Old King James, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And listen, this is the part I want you to pick up here. Because they receive not the love of the truth. So we're going to see a frightening chapter. Two uh, Chronicles gives a whole chapter over to, it's the only thing that's given over to Ahab on Chronicles. And then Kings gives a whole chapter. So it's the most important part. So he received not a love for the truth that he might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? Not having a love for the truth, even if the truth hurts. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. And see, in my Bible, I've under that, everybody's going to believe something. Believe a lie or believe the truth. So having a love for the truth, and if we don't have a love for the truth, even if it hurts, God can send, and he does, as we're going to see, a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned. And Ahab ended up damned because he didn't believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now let's turn back to 1 Kings uh, chapter, let's see, 1 Kings chapter 22. And uh, it's not on the overhead here. 1 Kings chapter 22. Put the corresponding chapter is 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And we'll just sort of have a uh, bit of a running commentary on this. So 1 Kings chapter 22. And then uh, uh, with that, 2 Chronicles 18. All right, now let's just read a few verses here. And uh, they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat... Now, we looked at God the King Jehoshaphat last year... Uh, last year. Last week. It seems that long. Uh, last week. And his, his, his weakness there of making evil alliances. Even marrying his son off to Jezebel's daughter. I mean, you know, what a bad, bad, bad decision. And decisions have consequences. So uh, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Look, don't you realize that Ramoth and Gilead is ours and we be still and, and we don't take it out of the hands of the king of Syria? King of Syria? And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle to Ramoth, Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Look, I am as you are, your people are my Now notice Jehoshaphat. Now remember, they're the two guys we're looking at here. Jehoshaphat, who we looked at last week, who's a good guy. But uh, his, his weakness, uh, this evil alliance with Ahab. Marrying, first of all, his son off to Jezebel's daughter. Bad, 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 bad decision. And now joining in this alliance uh, with a battle, especially involving Syria, which we have seven warnings against. And think of Syria, Syria today in the Middle East and some of the things that rumble there. Now, verse 5, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I inquire, I pray, thee, the word of the Lord today. 
you know, I'll join with you and my people, your people, my horses are your horses, I'm the house of Judah, you're the house of Israel. We really belong to each other, like brothers, like America and Canada. Uh, it's perfectly all right. But he says, I, I just like to have a word from the Lord. So now what happens in verse 6? Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up. And now notice how these prophets say, For the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And now what would you do if you had 400 prophets in presbytery? And they've all got such a united voice here and say, yeah, go up, go up. The Lord's going to deliver you. Oh, yes, the, the Lord, thus saith the Lord. That made the prophecy official. Go up, the Lord's going to give you victory. And yet, in spite of this, Jehoshaphat's still a godly man and there's something that doesn't click on the inside. So in verse 7 he says, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord's beside that we might inquire of him? You know, I mean, what do you do? 400 prophets? Against one? I mean, wouldn't that be enough to convince you? And yet something, how many know, uh, you know, the Lord does call us sheep, and when he said we're sheep, it wasn't a compliment. How many know that? Because sheep are dumb. Oh, I'm a sheep too, you know. When, I'm, when, I'm, when I minister, I'm a shepherd, but when I go before the Lord, the Lord is my pastor, the Lord is my shepherd. So I say also, amen. You know, so I'm, you know, but, so when, when he said we're sheep, he wasn't given his compliment because sheep are dumb. But the thing is, even though sheep are dumb, they're not totally stupid. Because my sheep know my voice. And even though you don't know everything in your, in your head, how many know that in your heart something doesn't click when you hear a strange voice? How many know that? Six of us. Are you goats out there? Are you? <laughs> I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? And so, you know, that's why we're very careful who we have on the platform here. Strange voices, the strange do not follow, and when there's some strange thing goes on the meeting, who's that? You know, so, you know, sheep are not altogether stupid. They can hear the voice. Now, listen to verse 8. Now, remember the lesson we're picking up here. This guy has no love for the truth. And so uh, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man. I know we've got 400, surely 400 prophets of convention. There's such unity of mind. They're all saying the same thing. I mean, 400 prophets ought to convince you. And the king of Israel said, look, there's one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire the Lord, but I hate him. Uh-oh. Problem right there. And Jehoshaphat should have backed out right there. Because one man only had the mind of God against 400. You see, don't go with the crowd. Any dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to float upstream. And, uh, but he said, I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, you mustn't say that. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither, Micaiah, the son of Imla. Now, verse 10, 
And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on their throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before him. And look at this major prophet, <laughs> Zedekiah. He takes horns of iron and says, Thus saith the Lord with these horns, you're going to push down the Syrians until you consume. I mean, that's a real demonstrative prophecy. That ought to convince you. Now, I want you to see the picture here. Uh, here we have uh, the king of Judah. I'll just abbreviate this, our time's almost gone. And we have the king of Israel. They're both sitting on their thrones there. And uh, we got these 400 prophets all prophesying. And we got this major prophet, Zedekiah, doing a little demon uh, you know, demonstrative prophecy, a little drama there with these horns you're going to push. And they've all got unity of voice. It's one message here. And they're using the name of the Lord in vain. And here they are sitting on their thrones and uh, dressed in their robe. Now, when they bring Micaiah along, now this is one I want you to pick up here. In this chapter, you'll find that there are three sources of prophecy. First of all, there is evil spirit prophecy. Find that in the verses. Second, there is human spirit prophecy. And then number three, there is Holy Spirit prophecy. So in this chapter, we have three sources of prophecy coming. Now, here we have these 400 prophets prophesying and all saying the same thing. Now, when the uh, servant goes to get Micaiah the prophet, he says to him, hey, listen, buddy. We've got the king on his throne. We've got the king on his throne. They're in their robes at the gate there. And these 400 prophets are prophesying. They're all speaking the same thing. My, my recommendation to you, Micaiah, is one against 400. You're not going to win. So I reckon you should just say the thing. This is what the prophecy is saying. So why don't you just say the same thing and don't break the unity around this place. And so when Micaiah gets there, as you read the chapter, because our time's almost blown, uh, he, he goes and, and they say, okay, what's the word of the Lord? He said, oh, thus saith the Lord, go up, thou should conquer. And Ahab, now it's Ahab that says, hey, Micaiah, why don't you tell me the truth? He said, all right, I'll tell you the truth. And now he moves from the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. And he says, do you know what I saw? I saw Israel, a sheep, scattered upon the mountain. And he said, I saw the Lord on his throne. You guys are sitting on your throne. But I saw a throne in heaven, the Lord sitting on his throne, and before him was gathered all the hosts of heaven. You've got all this bunch here. The Lord has all the hosts of heaven. And I mean, this is a frightening thing, but it's real. It's not just a sermon. It's just not a bi action. Our Bible says truth. So he says, in this thing that I saw, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven good spirits, bad spirits, were all gathered before the throne. How many you know that all the spirits in the world are subject to God? God is omniscient, God is omnipotent, everything's subject to him. And so the Lord was getting a little bit of democratic uh, uh, feeling back here and some feedback and he said, who would go down and, uh, and uh, lure Ahab into the battle? And so different spirits are coming before the throne of God and saying, I'll do it. And he said, well, how would you do it? Oh, well, I, this is a good idea. No, somebody else, a little bit more feedback here uh, from the heavenly democratic party. <laughs> and so, 
You read the chapter before you go home and put you to sleep tonight. I tell you. And so eventually it says, one spirit came before the throne and he said, I'll persuade Ahab. And the Lord said, uh, how will you do it? He said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord gave permission to this spirit to go. He said, you go. So Micaiah said, okay, the Lord has sent a lying spirit. He permitted, see, now remember what we said. If you don't have a love for the truth, God sends a strong delusion that people believe a lie. Who, uh, and, and we'd be damned. So a lying spirit, he said, God has permitted or sent a lying spirit in the mouth of all your prophets. And so what does Zedekiah do? Zedekiah comes over to, to uh, Micaiah and whacks him across the face. Good stuff here, isn't it? A powerful Pentecostal meeting. And says, you, I've got the mind of God. You're a liar. And so they locked poor Micaiah up in prison and said, you're going to stay in prison till the day you die. And he said, Ahab will be dead. And so what happens, as we saw last week, Ahab goes into the battle and poor Jehoshaphat, he should have woken up. Uh, he says, Jehoshaphat, you leave your kingly robes on when we go into battle and I'll disguise myself. I mean, how dumb. Because they're after him, not him. And so all of a sudden, as the battle is on, they see Jehoshaphat and they go to zap him and Jehoshaphat sings out and it's only the mercy of God that saved his life. And accidentally, how many know there's nothing accidental? <laughs> Providentially, a guy's just shooting an arrow for sheer fun at random, we're told, and it zapped Ahab. And the prophecy came to pass. The dog licked up his blood as he got home for his own funeral. Take down your last thought. I think we've got enough lessons there, don't you? Okay, here's your practical lesson. <laughs> for me, for all of us, we need a love for the truth, even if it hurts. And over the years, I've asked the Lord, give me a love for the truth, even if it hurts. Otherwise, I believe a lie. We need a love for the truth, even if it hurts. Otherwise, God will send us a strong delusion that we believe a lie which ends in spiritual and eternal death. And this was the death of him. Now, I've said this previously, that every one of us are going to respond to either a Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. Everybody's going to, in the world going to respond to one spirit or another. I want to respond to the Holy Spirit and say, God, give me a love for the truth. And can we be spoken to? See, a lot of people can't be spoken to today. Well, you've got no love. Hey, you don't love me. No, Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Rebuke is a part of love. But if you rebuke anybody and reprove anybody, oh, well, I'm going to leave the church, I'll go somewhere else. See, get these threats. So, well, hey, do you have a love for the truth? I'm trying to help you. So we must have a love for the truth so that we don't believe a lie. Everybody said amen. Our time is up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the uh, instruction, the admonition, the reproof, the warnings that we receive from your word and from these character studies. And Lord, we do want to be men and women who are kings and priests under God and have character built into us, Lord, that we'll be able to handle the kingdom. Father, just seal the words that we've shared tonight. We pray once again that the word will fall upon good ground 
and bring forth character qualities in our life. Help us to learn what not to do, Lord, as well as what to do from the kings that we've been studying. Thank you, Father, and we pray, Lord, as we come to this special weekend that your Holy Spirit will be amongst us and draw people on Himself. Lord, let there be an impartation of a love for the truth that people will believe the truth and not believe a lie in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We ask this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... For more in-depth teaching on Israel's kings, be sure to see Kevin Connor's book, Kings of the Kingdom, available from word.com.au, from amazon.com, and also in PDF format on Kevin's website, kevinconnor.org.